You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Nada, it is your worst nightmare come true. The Wiseman rumors are running rampant. How do you feel right now with all of this James Wiseman talk to the Charlotte Hornets? Is it bad that I say I'm actually in that stage of acceptance when we come to morning? Like I'm in the, the acceptance stage. I have accepted that. You know what? This is just going to happen. Probably. Um, there is a lot of smoke and where there's a lot of smoke, there's fire surrounding the Charlotte Hornets and the possibility of them trading up to the number one overall selection in order to take not a LaMelo ball, not an Anthony Edwards, but a James Wiseman. Plenty to get to on that front today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail and Nada at Nada the Scribe. <coughs> Sorry, Nada. I had something in my throat. I had to no. get that intro. <laughs> Had a Bomani Jones uh, moment. Yeah, so I understand. <laughs> um, all right. So I through that intro, we'll just pick it up here. Yep. <clears throat> we talked about this yesterday, Nada, the fact that James Wiseman, it was the Kevin O'Connor mock draft that really kind of set everything ablaze. Mm-hmm. He put in his mock draft that there are rumors the Hornets are interested in trading up for Wiseman. And then he had this uh, this mock trade that they would trade the 2022 20, unprotected first round pick in order to jump to number one. But regardless of that, actually, you know, whether that's going to be true or not, the real thing to take note of was the reports that the Hornets are interested there. Then NBC Sports aggregated it, talking about it. And Dan Feldman, I think Kurt Heatland tweeted it out. Finally, Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer dug deep, got to his sources, and he dropped an article. He dropped a story on the Charlotte Observer yesterday confirming that at least two other people in two different franchises um, think that this is all real. They think that the Hornets' interest in Wiseman enough to trade up for him in that number one slot it's all very real. And so we talked about this from the standpoint of whether it's a smokescreen or not, Nada. Mm-hmm. And just to address that real quickly before we start to talk about our thoughts on all of this, I think this is real. There are, sure, you can call me naive if you want. Teams will do this come draft time, but there's just too much surrounding this. I, I think yeah. that, especially trusting Rick, with Rick trusting his sources, as he mentions in this story on the Charlotte Observer. Uh, you know, I asked Rick about why why would the other teams have this information? You know, what, what have they heard? How would they know about the Hornets' interest? And he says, you know, it's a small world. They haven't had anything to do for four months. They talked to the players. The players revealed to them without any kind of, um, you know, understanding of how the NBA works. They're just kind of speaking genuinely. And just, you know, here and there, these other teams will find out about other teams' interest. And yes, it could be that the Hornets are being this, you know, evil genius mastermind plugging all of these different, um, you know, good feelings surrounding Wiseman here and there. And yes, we could all be duped by all of this. Or maybe you conspiracy theorists don't think that this is all true. Fair enough. Either way, 
I do think that this is real. And I do think that it is a logical place for the Hornets to land selecting James Wiseman because there's a need. And I don't think just like I mentioned yesterday that we should be deterred from the Hornets taking a five simply because Mitch Kupchak has been adamant about only drafting based off talent and not based off need. Look, look at this point, I am, I, I don't know. Like I was okay with sloughing this off and pretending that this was a smoke screen right up until Rick dropped that article. And when Rick dropped that article, I was like, okay, now I really have to start taking the idea of James Wiseman being the, the pick very, very serious. And then I started, get, like I said, I'm in the acceptance phase <laughs> of this is probably going to happen. What, is it something that I want to do? No. Is this something I want them to do? No, I wanted LaMelo Ball. I want the wing. Again, wings win rings. That was my thing. I am, but, but the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense to me. And with, again, cause you guys talked to Rick earlier today. And when I heard what you, you guys had to say with Rick, I kind of like, I understand now. I understand. Um, I don't like it, but I understand. Let's go to Rick Bennell soundbite. We did have him on the wake up call earlier. It was a little over a minute. Let's play the soundbite from Rick on James Wiseman, the potential of him going to the Hornets and how he would evaluate that. Why, uh, how he would fit with the Charlotte Hornets. Here's Rick now on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Now, first of all, it's always important to keep in mind that Mitch has said, and I understand why he's saying this, that, um, need is not going to drive this decision. Um, he is, he's convinced that they've got to get a star and, Having said that, though, it's obvious that they are really hurting uh, at the things that James Wiseman can do. They were last in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage um, last season. It is next to impossible. If you, it, you know, not, being last in the NBA in defensive rebound percentage is like being giving up the most sacks in the NFL. You, you narrow your chances of winning games dramatically by being so bad at that. Beyond that, they have no rim protection. Um, I would argue that um, James Wiseman, I mean, sorry, James Borrego last season was never happy with his center rotation. That um, the fact that he kept changing it every couple of games said an awful lot about where they stand. And I think this would be a perfectly useful um, decision. I will also tell you that when I started asking, you know, player personnel people from other teams, to describe the pluses and minuses of drafting Wiseman, what I kept hearing was, if everything works out, he has the highest potential of anybody in this draft. All right, Nada, a couple things that I want to address there. Number one, I think you and I both agree that the biggest takeaway here is James Borrego. Rick Bedell saying that he would argue James Borrego was never truly happy with his center rotation. Now, okay, we can go back and watch the season. Him having Cody Zeller play significant minutes here and there, and then maybe dwindle his minutes down every once in a while, throwing Bismack Biombo in there every once in a while. Um, I, I don't think that I'm crazy shocked to hear this, but also if Borrego and Mitch Kupchak are so much so on the same page and you have a guy that is really talented in James Wiseman, and he just so happens to fit a position that, the Hornets could really use because they could trade Cody Zeller and James Brago just was never happy with the center rotation. Then it just makes all the sense in the world for this guy to be the selection. And while again, 
people were so thrown off by Kupchak being so adamant, saying the right thing, mind you, saying that mm-hmm. we're not going to solely based off, uh, draft based off need. We're only going to address the talent. But, I mean, if, if the talent just so happens to fill a need, you're also not going to walk away from it just because, well, this is what I've been saying the whole time. And I think that kind of threw everybody off of that path thinking, well, okay, they're going to draft a wing like a Lamelo or a, or a point guard or a Anthony Edwards or one of those people. It, it just seems if Borrego was that unhappy, if, if that's the case, right? I know Rick wasn't saying he was definitively unhappy with it, but if that was the case, then this makes all the sense in the world, especially if Borrego and Kupchak are on the same page. No, it does make all the sense in the world. The only thing that I kind of worry about when we start having these conversations is if you were never happy with the def- the center rotation and defense and rebounding, something that Rick brought up is the biggest issue, then Wiseman's not the center you want. Okongwu is. And that's like, again, if I'm going to quibble with what the data is saying and what everyone's saying, then the pick should be Okongwu at three and this should be academic. I have a problem again, but at the same time, like I said, I'm in the acceptance phase. I, I understand. I get it. Um, you're talking about a guy that is a game changer. And for everyone that's saying, go take a swing on a guy, and for everyone that's saying, go take a chance to take a swing for the fences, if the most talented guy in this draft possibly is the big, then, yeah, you're swinging for the fences with James Wiseman. And we're hearing more and more of that, right? Like, we're hearing more that Wiseman is the guy that has the highest ceiling. You know, Rick just said it there, I believe, in that soundbite. If he didn't, in that soundbite, then, you know, it was earlier today on the wake-up call. You know, in the sources that Rick Bennell talked to, both of them were discussing how if everything goes correctly with Wiseman, if everything works out, then he's got the highest ceiling of anyone in this NBA draft. And you can certainly see it. Taking a page out of the Doug Branson playbook, the page that Doug always talks about is getting a freak, right? Like getting a guy that has the crazy athleticism, that has the crazy height, that can do a bunch of things that other dudes just can't. We're not talking about IQ. We're not talking about playmaking. Just give me the body. Doug Branson usually talks about wanting the basketball body. And Wiseman has that in a way that a lot of other people don't. And that's enticing. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't select. I wouldn't trade up for number one to get Wiseman. If he's the selection at three, I'm cool with it because I'm scared of all of these guys, but I definitely don't want to give up the assets. And that's the scary thing about it. Patrick Connor tweeted at me, um, somebody that listened to the podcast, always appreciated. He mentioned to me earlier, I think when maybe listening to the wake up call, I, I don't want to give up Devonte Graham or PJ Washington or an, uh, or a, any draft assets or any picks to move up to get Wiseman, but he was cool with doing anything else maybe to get a James Wiseman. And, and I tweeted back at him. Yeah, that they're not going to do that with Devonte. They're not going to do that with PJ Washington. God forbid they do that with either mm. of those guys. But I do think that picks are really on the table here. Nada. like if all of these reports are true, that the Hornets are crazy, crazy interested then of course draft picks are going to be in play. And unless you get away with it with only trading a miles bridges or moving off of Malik, but we've talked about it enough. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get rid of draft picks, certainly not unprotected. I don't want to get rid of miles bridges. And, and if I'm telling you the guy that's relatively low on miles bridges compared to other Hornets fans, if I'm saying I don't want to get rid of miles and that tells you how badly I don't want to move up two slots to go get James Wiseman um, who, who might not be there at three, but we can talk about a backup plan coming up in the second segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Real quickly, Nod, I want to talk to everyone 
about Built Bar. They have the relaunch of the new flavors in store. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six of them are new with the caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and of course, Cherry Barcia, just to name a select few. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet also. And also another thing that you can get when you go to BuiltBar.com is a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, no space, LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. There is a plan B for the Charlotte Hornets, as reported by Rick Bennell in the Charlotte Observer. We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is his oh, name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he, he, Matt he Thomas. Didn't play at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas <laughs> served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So not a, something that's not being talked about nearly as much is the yeah. second part of the story written by Rick Bennell in the observer, where it's basically the James Wiseman story and deservedly. Mm-hmm. So that's the rumors. Those are the rumors that we're discussing quite a bit here, but he also writes this. One of the sources said he views Georgia guard, Anthony Edwards as the Hornets backup plan. If Wiseman is not available to Charlotte, Rick Bennell would also write about how or uh, talk about, I should say on the wake up call, how enthralled Anthony was um, about the fact that he got to meet Michael Jordan. Let's play that soundbite from Rick Bennell right now. The Hornets seem to be have a lot of interest in Anthony Edwards. I was told by a team that Edwards was just gushing during um, a, a job interview with that other team about how excited he was that Michael Jordan had <laughs> attended one of his workouts. So now that we talked about this, we saw the picture circulating on Twitter of Michael mm-hmm. Jordan in the same gym as one Anthony Edwards. Another team thinks that if Wiseman's not the guy, let's say the Hornets stand pat and just select number three overall, then maybe the consolation prize they're playing B could be Anthony Edwards. What did you make of all of that? The fact that there was a team interviewing Anthony Edwards and Anthony couldn't stop talking about how much he was in love with the fact he got to meet Michael Jordan. That just tells me quite honestly, stay at three. Like if people are really in the mold or mindset that like we have to go get Wiseman or we have to go get Edward and Anthony Edwards is the backup plan. That tells me that what they're looking for, honestly, is we need the most athletically gifted guy in the draft, period. And that's the way it may fall. I don't think, again, judging from this, I don't think LaMelo Ball is on their board, which kind of disappoints me because I think LaMelo is the most gifted guy in this draft. But what they're, again, from what everything they're telling, they're telling you is we value the physical freaks in this draft. It doesn't matter that Anthony Edwards may be 6'3. It doesn't matter that James Wiseman may or may not be able to, again, just blitz a pick and roll and you may have to go with drop, with drop coverage with them. The fact that we're going, they're going with the athletically gifted route kind of makes me excited if I'm not, if I'm going to be honest, because they're going to go, okay, we can take, we can't, you can't teach that type of athleticism in Wiseman. You can't teach that type of athleticism with Anthony Edwards. So we we're going to try and teach all the refining and we're going to refine them in Greensboro or during these um, camps. And it makes a lot of sense to go that route rather than what they were doing before with, okay, we're going to take the skilled guy, but athletically he's limited. 
yeah, I, it, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it, it's not the fact that I don't love James Wiseman or love Anthony Edwards. It, it's not that. It's the giving up the assets and lowering your margin for error. Because if you get this one wrong, then that means you don't have a draft pick and a presumed return for whatever team decide or Minnesota or Golden State for a presumed return for them and what the Hornets would have to give up. I just have I just think it would be a draft pick. And if mm-hmm. that's the case, you lower the margin for error um, to hit on this specific one. And it's already pretty damn slim when you're selecting this high in the draft. I mm-hmm. get that. But imagine how much worse it is if you give up something to only miss on an NBA draft prospect. I also understand the other line of thinking. You have to risk it to get the biscuit, right? I get all of that. (laughs) But the thing is, if you get rid of a draft pick and you can't select one in 2022, just going with the Kevin O'Connor idea, let's even call it protected. If the Hornets are, I don't know, uh, still a lottery team, but maybe, you know, the Kimball Walker days of picking 11, 12 or 13, then, then, and you don't get that pick. Well, did you just miss out on another PJ Washington? Did you miss out on another Donovan Mitchell? Did you miss out on a Michael Porter Jr.? Anybody that could have been in consideration with one of those picks? And the answer could be yes. And think about how much you set your team back once again. First round, uh, first round picks, I mean, they help you. And uh, the Hornets are not in the business of dealing first round picks to move up two slots, especially in a draft as unsure as this one. It's not that I have a problem with James Wiseman being the selection. I just want it to be at three rather than giving something up to go get him at number one. It's it just not, it's just not smart in a rebuild, not in my no, And again, we agree. I don't want them to, quite honestly. I don't want them to deal 32. Like if it's, if it costs you <laughs> yeah. three and 55, three and 55, yo, okay. I'm down for that. Three fifty-five and bridges. Yo, I, again, I'm going to wince a little bit, but okay. I can deal with that. But the Hornets need three and 32. They need them to continue. Well, and thirty-two this. and three and thirty-two wouldn't be enough. I mean, that Golden State's not doing that, especially when Zach Lowe on that podcast that we've referenced a couple of times with Bill Simmons. You know, Zach Lowe kind of thinking, okay, it seems that Golden State is really going to sell this for. It's certainly they're not going to be selling this for anything less than a dollar um, of of the value, right? They're not going to mm-hmm. sell. They're, they're going to look for more, or they're going to look for fair market value. They're not going mm-hmm. to be selling this for anything less than a hundred percent of the value. And, and thirty-two and three is not going to do that to move up to number two. Just, just to uh, to get that selection, you know, in Minnesota, I can't imagine that Minnesota would be willing to do that, especially when they're in win now mode. You know, it's it's done thinking about the potential. We're done thinking about Minnesota's potential. They need to start making moves here. That's why they have D'Angelo Russell. That's why they have Carl Anthony Towns. They're looking for somebody else to pair with those guys, and you know, it, it, those are teams that are looking to win now and get in the postseason. Where the Hornets they can't give up draft picks because they're not in a win now mode. It's, it's, it's the only team of the three that are picking at the top of the draft that are not looking to make the playoffs next year. And and they're the ones that are going to be giving up the draft picks. I, I, I look, if it's Zion, then okay. Give up a whole hell of a lot more. You know, if it's Ben Simmons, then understandably so. And I, and I'm not even saying the teams would do it in those situations. It, it's just, you're so unsure. Give me the consolation prize. Even if Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman are, are both off of the board, which I don't think is going to happen. I, I think Wiseman is going to be off of the board. I think Golden State is going to take him at two or Denny Avdia. Um, but I, I do think James Wiseman is going to be off the board. 
if, if that's the case, then just take your Lamelo or someone else. But I, I don't want to trade up, and I, I will continue to hammer that point home as we go forward. We have one more segment to go here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in summer league, comma a euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> a me, radar. of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar, on the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Just keeping you guys up to date with what else is going on in the NBA. Woj tweeting out just about an hour ago as of this recording. After 35 years of stewardship, the Millers have entered into an agreement to sell the Utah Jazz to Qualtrics founder Ryan Qualtrics. Uh, He also says that Ryan Smith is a lifelong Utah resident and jazz fan who built a software company that sold for a reported $8 billion dollars. Smith and his wife, Ashley, have had a longstanding relationship with the franchise, and the deal includes Vivant Arena per sources and Penn's approval of NBA Board of Governors. He also says Smith had been co-creator of the Jazz's Five for the Fight jersey patch, which has raised over $25 million for charity in recent years. Nada, what does uh, this news mean to you, seeing the Millers sell the Utah Jazz franchise? They sold them for $1.6 billion. Again, a franchise, an NBA franchise went for $1.6 billion. So the next time one of you guys feel real, real inclined to say, oh, the NBA is dying, this, that, and the third, yada, yada, yada. I want you to look at what the sales of the franchises are going for. Because otherwise, it, again, it's, unless they start going down, you're going to look pretty damn dumb. You know what? That's, that's what you're going to do. You're going to look dumb. So well, don't, the- don't talk about the... Don't talk about the ratings. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. You're just going to look dumb. Stop doing it. uh, The NBA franchises have gone up a ton in value. Same thing happened with Major League Baseball when people were getting so mad at the players holding out and not wanting to play uh, per the quote unquote negotiations that were going on before the season started. It was people getting mad at the players for not playing the game when you see all of the franchises being um, uh, valued at at least a billion dollars. So yeah, it was always kind of that. That was always just mind blowing to me that the owners' feet weren't held to the fire as much as the players were trying to think of a potential season. Also, the Los Angeles Dodgers—they won the World Series last night. Did you care at all, Nada? Did you watch the World Series? I watched it, and then I was horrified finding out that uh, again, Justin Turner was out here with COVID out on the field celebrating, and then right. Magic's down there on the field celebrating along with him. And I'm I'm just worried about Magic right now. Magic yeah. can't die. Magic again. Magic is one of my favorite players. He's the guy that got me to love basketball more than Michael Jordan. So when we start talking about mad people who can't die and people is going to be a real sad day, dark day. It's going to be Magic Johnson at the first uh, top of that list for me. So Um, yeah, protect Magic at all costs. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't realize we were going to go to uh, killing Magic Johnson on this podcast. I hope that does not happen. That was uh, pretty morbid, Nada, but you're right. Justin Turner was running around on the field. Nobody stopped him after he was pulled in that game from <laughs> because he tested positive for COVID-19. There are tons of problems with all of that. Um, <laughs> and then watching Justin Turner celebrate with his teammates. I get it. Uh, I would want to do it as well, but man, just baseball. What a mess baseball yes. was this season right at the beginning. And then how about at the very end, 
even the World Series champion, a guy like Justin Turner, testing positive, being allowed to play in the first place before, I guess, the test results come in, and then him getting pulled. It was in the eighth inning, right? Did he play? Up he until played the seven inning innings. He, he played about yeah. seven, seven and a half innings, and it was wild because, again, I'm sitting there watching this, and I was like, hey, why is Justin Turner not out there? And then you realize, oh, that's why he's not. And that's just um, one of those crazy things, just like, Wow. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, I do want to talk one other thing about the the Hornets draft pick before we end today's show. You know, with the NBA restart potentially happening on December 22nd or the 25th, I mean, Nada, you look at these guys that certainly need a lot of polishing. James Wiseman going to be reduced to a rim running role his first year in the league, especially with the very quick turnaround. You're talking about Mm -hmm. barely a month with your team before the season would start. And it might benefit the Charlotte Hornets who get to um, start playing organized basketball, you know, sooner rather than later, which is beneficial because they haven't played organized basketball in a long time. It is going to hurt James Wiseman and his impact on the team. Same thing with a guy like Anthony Edwards, who also probably needs some polishing as we go on here. The good news is that the Hornets could potentially lose more games, still have a very good first round pick in next year's draft class, which is going to be star studded. And that does, uh, I do think that's a benefit. So whether you're thinking of the Hornets coming back just because it's been a while, the sooner the better for them, but also it's worse for the rookies as far as the kind of production they could give you. But in the long run, that's better for the Charlotte Hornets because they could potentially pick higher in the NBA's uh uh, draft next year, which just keep on piling up the potential stars, baby. That's what we need here in Charlotte. So um, good news there. Again, here's the thing. You know, who probably benefits the most from the rookie, whoever it is this year, Greensboro. Cause when I think there, there's going to have to be a G league season. And I think whomever is the pick is going to Greensboro. Do not pass go, do not collect $200 because they're going to need to learn as fast as possible. And unfortunately you cannot learn on the fly. It's kind of why if this is going to be that short of a turnaround, I'm expecting biz and Cody to stay in the ro- in, in the rotation. Like, honestly, that's my, that's the big thing for me is now I'm kind of uh, looking at, Oh my God! Hold on, Walker. This is kind of this is kind of nuts because we're going to break news just on the air. Oh, at twelve forty-seven, the the Philadelphia 76ers are in advanced talks to hire Daryl Morey to oversee the franchise's basketball operations. Oh wow! Nice job. We were about to end that. You were about you were about to send it home for us. Not I was about to go into the script yeah. of thanking everyone for joining us again today. And you're right. I'm looking at this tweet right now as of 40 seconds ago as I pick up my Twitter app. Philadelphia 76 is our advanced talks with Daryl Morey, and it's hilarious, right? Like we were trying to speculate. We were trying to go home. Well, well, yes, that, but also we were speculating at the time of us kind of talking about Daryl Morey. Why would Daryl, you know, why Daryl might leave the Houston Rockets organization when Tim McMahon of ESPN was reporting, this was all Daryl's move that it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't for Tita firing him. This was all Daryl Morey's move saying, Hey, you know, maybe there was a little weight of all of the, uh, of all the ripple effect that was caused by Daryl Morey sending that tweet in reference to China. Um, and, and the fact that he just leaves it. But what's hilarious here is that Daryl Morey is going to come to your town, your promising franchise, trade all of their first round picks. And if he doesn't win a championship in a decade, he moves on to destroy all the other first round picks for that franchise. I kind of like that career. Yeah. Yeah. Like here's the, here's the crazy part behind all of this though. If you're Doc Rivers, you can't feel good about this. Or Elton Brand. You cannot feel good right now. Well, I mean, 
what do we know what's going on with Elton Brand? Because Elton Brand doesn't seem like he's going to be in charge anymore, right? Like oh, that's no. what I get from this. Absolutely so not. Well, that's the thing is he is he, is he going to a reduced role? Do we know if he's going to get fired? I don't current know. Current position just another tweet just came out. Elton Brand will stay in the, his current position. Current keyword. Um. Yeah. yeah, which means his responsibility is going to get taken away. All right, we have some content for tomorrow we can possibly discuss. We'll end it today. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. As always, we appreciate you joining us every single weekday. Now tell your smart device to play other episodes on the Lockdown Podcast Network, like Donna, uh, Lockdown NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, Rejecting the Screen, so many things to listen to on the network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.